Welcome to Pace and Freedom. I am your host, James Pace, and thank you for joining me on another amazing episode. Today, I bring to you an award-winning journalist, author of the book, Believe Evidence, The Death of Due Process from Salome to Hashtag Me Too, no other than the original Megan Fox. But before we get started, I want to make a special announcement. Right now at Just CDB, you can get Mother Nature's Secret Miracle Ingredients, CDB, in a variety of products for 25% off when you use the link in the description, then use the discount code LOVECDB. But remember, you must use the link below. That way, you will also be supporting this podcast. Just CDB knows the importance of making quality CDB products like delicious gummy bears, relaxing bath bombs, and even treats for man's best friend. So again, use the link below and use discount code LOVECDB for your 25% discount. Now, without further ado, enjoy this episode. All right. Well, here we are on another great episode of Pace and Freedom. I'm super excited about this episode. I'm excited about every episode. I have with me Megan Fox. And I'm assuming that you probably get a lot of the confused with Megan Fox, the uh, Transformer actress. Never. Never. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) No, every single time I go to the grocery store, yes. Uh, Or especially, it's really fun when I call the the phone company. Because when I call the phone company, I'm like trying to, you know, negotiate my bill or something. And some guy in India is like, are you uh, Megan Fox uh, Transformers, Megan Fox? And I go, yes. Yes, I am. If that uh, helps uh, to negotiate this bill for me, then I'll be anybody you want me to be. <laughs> oh, nice. Do they <laughs> so fall for fun, it? Though, because they don't know what to think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah, I uh, I talk to my friends a lot about my podcast and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to... Um, have Megan Fox on my on my um, podcast, and they're like, the actress? And I'm like, no, even better. The original. I'm the yeah. original. I'm older than her, so I get to claim that. <laughs> there you go. So tell us a little bit about yourself, since you're not the Transformer <laughs> actress. No, I'm not. I am a journalist. I work for PJ Media, um, which is owned by Salem Media. I've been in the news business for a decade. We write news. We write opinion uh, ridicule, you know, whatever, whatever we feel like. And, um, PJ media is a wonderful site. If you haven't been there, you should check it out. The amazing Roger Simon is one of the founders and he writes there and he is just so good. And Glenn Reynolds, of course, and so many Steven Cruiser and so many great, um, columnists are writing at PJ media right now. Matt Margolis, who has a, a new best-selling book out about, uh, Erasing the uh, Obama, or Trumping Obama, it's called. You should look that up on Amazon. That's a great book. Uh, Matt, it, so many people at PJ Media, you guys should be following. So I, I'm, I'm writing there. Um, I'm also, I write books, which is, um, I'm still kind of amazed I can do it because I have three kids at home, and <laughs> but I still manage to do it. And I did put one out this year. So, uh, and that one's called Believe Evidence, The Death of Due Process from Salome to Hashtag Me Too. And that book really came about because of the Kavanaugh hearings. That's what the catalyst was um, because of the outrageous accusations against Brett Kavanaugh by a woman who claimed 
uh, that he had uh, assaulted her 30 years ago with no evidence, no proof. Um, and this is the state of American justice today, that anyone can accuse anyone, especially it seems uh, women can accuse men specifically of a crime that there is no evidence for. And then everyone just takes their word for it. And that person's life is ruined, you know, and right. it, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond uh, doing it to men. Look what they did to the cabin, uh, to the Covington boys. Mm-hmm. You know, the Catholic boys who were at the March for Life wearing the MAGA hats, and then you got the activist Indians drumming in their faces and making up this whole narrative that just wasn't true. Um, and yet we ruin lives over innuendo and accusation. And my book is really about bringing back due process, talking about your Fourth Amendment rights and why it's important, you know, right. that we have due process. Absolutely. You know, and I found your book uh, quite interesting. I haven't gotten to read it completely yet, but I did get to read because I knew that I was going to be speaking to you. So I was like, okay, let me look at some of the reviews and whatnot. And you got really good reviews on on your book, by the way. So kudos to you. Yeah, the response has been great. People have really loved it. You know, one of my best reviews was in a personal, I should use it, it but it was in a personal missive, so I probably won't. But Michelle Malkin loved it. She told wow. me that um, she told me that her she's going to make it required reading for her son before he goes to college, nice. and and I do think that that was my intention. I think and I hit the mark uh, because I wanted to write this book for parents, and I also wanted to write it for for uh, teen boys right. who are going into this college hell where Title IX is destroying the lives of young college age boys uh, through because any girl can have sex with a boy in college and then regret it later and cry rape. I want to show you the cover because um, I really feel like this was um, just such a wonderful cover. Matt Margolis, who writes with me at PJ Media, he did this cover for me. And I just, I think it sums up where we're at right now. Just this picture of Salome holding John the Baptist's head. You know, this is where we're at now. This is how, this is where we're at. They were in this... um, this time where everyone wants to believe women, you know, believe all women. That was the hashtag that came out after Kavanaugh. But which women? Because I have I have chapter after chapter after chapter. I went back through history right. and found um, women through history and literature who we know to have been treacherous. We know to have been liars. We know to have lied to have men murdered, lied to right. have men imprisoned. You know, women are not... Um, they're not virtuous by nature of being female. You know mm-hmm. that everyone can have a terrible character. Anyone can have bad right. character. So it really bothered me this believe women stuff. It's like, what have you never known a woman before? Like, what? <laughs> women are terrible. I mean, it, it, they're just. It's just everyone's terrible. Right. That's everyone's terrible. We need evidence before we can convict. Um, and that's why we have court systems. And if we don't, if we don't need our court system, then what are we doing? Right. I imagine you also got a lot of negative feedback, uh, especially from probably mostly women, I imagine, uh, by writing this book and having this opinion. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I do get called anti-woman all the time, but, you know, that's that's old news. That's 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 been going on since, you know, once you come out as pro-life. You know, that's it. You're right. going to be anti-woman for the rest of history. And, and you know, that stuff kind of rolls right off my back. And I, I don't even think about it. And I don't really pay attention to it. You you mentioned the um, Covington boys over in D.C. 
And, you know, I, it goes back to what me and uh, Kevin Warmhall and um, Cash Jackson talked about in my last two episodes. You know, this people use these labels uh, and that's why I hate using labels on my podcast. I've made it uh, a point to do my utmost best to not use labels. And uh, because as soon as you use a label on somebody, it that's that's all the evidence people need to make their judgment on them, right? So, you know, and even with well, your to book, the low okay, you to can, the low information crowd, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, as soon as you're a um, you know a conservative, you're automatically you know an evil racist, a racist, a Nazi, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you mention that you're a liberal, you're like you know. Uh, the other extreme, you know, you're snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and it's just, but it, unless, so on my podcast, when I don't use labels, a lot of people seem to listen a lot better. And I was telling this to uh, Kevin, uh, my first episode, you know, I had two guests on the episode, one that, that is known to be a liberal and the other is who is known to be a conservative but I never mentioned their labels. Like I never mentioned, oh, this is, you know, this person and they belong to this liberal organization sure. and this person. Belong. So I just kept it out. And it was funny because my conservative listeners thought that the liberal person was a conservative like them. They were That's like funny. rooting that person on and and they were, you know, and I, I actually spilled the beans to a couple of them because they, you know. They asked me, and I was like, "Well, you know, that person was actually uh, a liberal. Uh, that funny. person works, you know." Well, I, I think we, I think we're um, in a place in this country that's really sad because we've lost the ability to speak with one another um, right. when we disagree, and I really find that very boring. <laughs> I find yeah. it extremely boring. <laughs> I always tell people, I'll talk to anyone. You know, I've been on InfoWars before and people will say, well, how could you go on InfoWars? It's like, well, I'll talk to anybody. Right. You know, just because I go on someone's show, and I don't have to as- ascribe to every single thing they believe. And I love yeah. talking to people who don't agree with me because then we can have a discussion. Exactly. Then we can, we can actually debate an issue. If I'm in an echo chamber, I'm just bored, you know, so Absolutely. I welcome it. I, I wish that we could have more of a dialogue with people who don't agree with us. And the, in my experience lately, the only people that I can have that with are libertarians. I have a lot of libertarian friends. I won't, I can't be a libertarian. I just can't go that far. It's just too far for me. Like open borders doesn't work for me. I don't know how that works. I don't, I, but there's so much on the libertarian side that I do agree with and I do respect. And, you know, I, I could respect some Democrats beliefs too, if they weren't so nuts. I mean, most of the time they're just so nuts lately that who could agree with any of it. But I used to be able to, you know, we, we have come, in fact, I still agree with them on prison reform, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely come to the table on that. Uh, I think we have way too many people in prison for stupid things. And um, I don't agree with, you know, hardline conservatives on that at all. Um, and so I have a lot more libertarian leanings. But I think it's sad that we've lost the ability to really discuss issues rationally without screaming or throwing right. milkshakes or bricks. You know, um, that's sad to me. That's not what exactly. our country is about. And, you know, the mainstream media just, they really encourage it. Like, you you watch some of these. They're the cause on, of 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it. exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I, I always kind of scuff whenever somebody tells me, oh, well, you know, it's on CNN. They said this. I was like, you get your news from CNN. Like, <laughs> and the same thing with, you know, the other side. Oh, Fox 2008. News. I know. right? <laughs> <laughs> no one gets their news from CNN anymore, do they? I know. Uh, I think they yeah, a lot of people I get have my entertainment uh, from CNN, though. Yeah, I get a lot I know, of right? <laughs> Dude, they're like I mean, the that... new E network. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I wanted to take a moment to talk about coffee. That's right, coffee. And not just any coffee, anarcho coffee. The only coffee where you feel free and energized with every sip. Visit anarchocoffee.com forward slash. PIF, or use the link in the description to purchase a great cup of freedom tasting coffee. And by using my link, you will be helping support my podcast. Again, Anarcho Coffee. It's organically farmed, ethically sourced, and roast to order. This means it's coffee not from a child slave labor farm covered in pesticides or stored in some dirty warehouse for six months before you get it. The day you order, is the day it gets roasted, packed, and shipped. Now, back to this episode. For my guests, you know, I leave it up to them to decide if they want to or not, but I will never label them right off sure. the bat because, you know, my goal is for to have them heard first. Um, and there are some cases, obviously, like I have uh, Dennis Lambert uh, coming on, you know, uh, that's like I have to, you know, introduce him and he is the uh one of the candidates for um presidential hopefuls for the green party so you know right off the bat you know that he's green party sure. and that he's probably a little bit more well, left -leaning you know what, you know what bothers socialist. me is that left-leaning people used to be i feel like we've kind of switched um mm -hmm. you know the word liberal itself has this connotation that means freedom right, right. liberal um, everybody loves a liberal sprinkle, sprinkling of rain, you know, or <laughs> being right. liberal with the chocolate chips. And it's, it's, it, 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 it means freedom, right? It means right. excess and freedom and, um, and freedom of speech. They, they used to be for these things, freedom of speech and against censorship. And they used well, to be it's a term that has been stolen. It's yeah, of course. Because Thomas right. Jefferson was a, was a true classical liberal. Right. Uh, these Democrats who are statists now, and, and, and I won't even call them liberals because that's not an accurate term. Um, what they are is uh, they're statists, and they believe that the state should have all the power over the person, over the individual. They don't believe in individual rights. They don't believe in free speech. They want to shut you down and shut you up if what you say is damaging to their cause. Um they're not interested in debate. And so that's something that bothers me a whole lot. I don't like the label liberal because it doesn't even describe them. Right. Um, a true liberal person would be with me on uh, so many due process for one. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They yeah. Definitely be, due process. They wouldn't be running around claiming we should believe all women. They'd be like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Like, what? Let's see, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Wasn't it the Democrats? Wasn't it so-called liberals who were always against the death penalty and they're super into these causes like the Innocence Project, right? These right. are the same kinds of things, but, but they want to go and, and, and just crucify a guy 
on the mm. word of one woman with no corroborating evidence, with no witnesses, and can't even remember what day or time this event supposedly happened. I find right. myself at a loss to understand what happened to these people and their so-called love of uh, fairness and equality, because that is not fair and it's not equal treatment. Right. If it weren't for the Democrats, you know, and these, as you say, I think that's a perfect uh, term for them. Status have stolen the word liberal. I would consider myself a, a liberal, uh, being a libertarian. Uh, I label, you know, if I had to put myself on a like a more specific label, I consider myself a classical liberal. So, and a true liberal, I I have so much in common with. I am right. also. I also have many, I, I, I'm also a lot like a classical liberal myself. So mm -hmm. it bothers me to use that term to describe people who know, would take right. away your right to speak, mm -hmm. who would take away the right. And let's talk about this because this is uncomfortable. And and people need, the youth today, these youth, get off my lawn. I'm, I swear, I'm like <laughs> getting so old. <laughs> the, the young people, these millennials, um, you know, they have no concept of what we were all raised with, which is, I might not agree with what you have to say. In fact, I may hate it, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Because if right. I don't, if I don't, then I don't have the right either. That means mm. that when I, I grew up in, in uh, outside of Chicago and um, the KKK uh, marched in Skokie, it was a big deal. And mm -hmm. it was very... People were very upset about it. But I remember at the time it being like everyone came to the same conclusion, which was this. We must let it happen. No right. one was on the side of shut it down. Everyone was like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to show up in mass in counter protest to make mm -hmm. sure that our neighbors are safe and that, you know, that nothing is going to happen and that we show that we're united against this. And that's right. what happened. And nothing happened that day. It was right. perfectly peaceful. The KKK marched and they had their say. And the anti-KKK had their say and far outnumbered the KKK, by the way, because they barely existed then. And they certainly barely exist now. Right. Um, and, and that's the way to handle it. It is not exactly. to pretend like we have the right to subjectively shut down this person's speech or that group's speech because it's so offensive. It is offensive, but that's right. what America is about. America right. is about the fact that we have the right to, to offensive speech. Right. And you don't, you know, it just like somebody has the right to make offensive speech. You have the right to either counter argue it, not right. in the sense of argument and fighting, but you have, you know, and again, it goes, Right. A conclusion happens, you, you know, or it may not happen, but you get to see and hear both sides. And, right. That's um, an actual debate. And that happens right. so very rarely. So speaking of your articles, I went through them and I, you know, I think you're an amazing writer. It's definitely very engaging. But something that <laughs> it's something that caught my eye is uh, CPS. Now, the the world of CPS has always kind of intrigued me i've when i was stationed when i was in the in the navy i was stationed in great lakes for three years and you know at first i thought it was just an illinois thing but i realized later on that the whole nation every state is just yeah. as bad if some states worse than others but um while i was stationed there i would have 
these recruits that would come in, uh, they would go through boot camp, and then I would get them after boot camp. And I, I would basically just guide them and instruct them uh, while they would go to school and learn their trade. A lot of them joined the Navy with families. And I was just kind of shocked of how many of my sailors, my, my, you know, had CPS go to them for just the most ridiculous stuff. And on the base, like stationed well, while you were, yeah, while while we were there, stationed there, the, the, the military housing is outside wow. the base. So they had jurisdiction over it. Oh, wow. Um, as far as law enforcement goes. Um, so, you know, I was just kind of, I was kind of shocked uh, by it, how like I, I would get like at least two to three of my sailors coming to me saying, hey, CPS was at our uh, home oh, no. or, you know, our neighbors didn't like how we like did something. So they would call yep. CPS us. lady in the grocery store didn't like how, you know, I was with my kid and they called the CPS on us. And it was just these ridiculous things for like very petty things. Uh, one of them was uh, this. Uh, this poor sailor, him and his wife were uh, outside on their patio watching their kid. And, you know, the kid was trying to ride a bike for his first time and fell over. And he went and he's like, okay, come on, get up. You're fine. Get back on the bike. And they call CPS on him for that. Oh, God. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've created a system where uh, it becomes like the hall monitor and if you don't like someone, you can now call CPS and they are legally obligated to investigate you, even if the call is false. And they right. never, they never investigate the person who called. And there is no penalty for making a false call. So how many vindictive exes and neighbors do you think have done this to people? Exactly. Countless. Exactly. It's thousands, if not tens of thousands, especially when you're talking about custody cases mm-hmm. where there's a, a bitter ex involved. This will inevitably happen. And CPS does not appear to have any interest in in dismissing frivolous cases. And you know why? And this is the sick part. They are incentivized to take children out of homes and uh-huh. they don't care whether it's a good home or a bad home. They get the money anyway. Right. And once and, uh, they have them in the system, and it's like five to six thousand a month per kid from the federal government. Once we're they talking have, about Title Four, right? Uh it's the law that says, um, I'm not sure it as far as the statute, it's the um nineteen ninety-seven Adoption and Safe Families Act. And that was a a Hillary Clinton uh that was her baby. That was her idea. Wow. And it it actually monetized the removal of children from homes and the state does not get the money if they don't get the kid okay Mm -hmm. they get no money for keeping the kid in the home right even though the law and here's the interesting part and i think i'm finding out something positive because in the law it says that all reasonable efforts those are the that's the language all reasonable efforts must be made to keep the child in the home well we know for a fact that cps hardly ever does anything reasonable like it's all unreasonable and they don't they don't do the reasonable efforts to keep the child in the home Uh, because of that i think that parents have a secret weapon there that we may not have noticed until recently um Mm -hmm. because if you can prove that there were no reasonable efforts to keep the child in the home uh according to the law you should be good however 
However, family court, anybody who's ever been in family court, it's like a kangaroo court system. It's not a real court. It doesn't have a high burden of proof. You know, it's not innocent until proven guilty. You're actually guilty until you prove a negative. It's crazy. It's yeah, I, it's it's outrageous. They're secret closed courts, which is against yeah. the Constitution. The Constitution of the United States cannot be overridden by any state law. And the Constitution of the United States says that all courts are to be open. Mm-hmm. But family court, which I'm starting to think is not even a recognized court. I don't know, because I don't know how they get away with this. Right. It's completely sealed. Not no journalists. No court reporters of, that you hire on your own. That that's another. That's what I'm ha- I'm dealing with in Colorado right now with Cindy Absug's case. She she tried to hire her own court reporter because the transcripts kept coming back changed. For oh real. wow! The transcripts did not reflect what happened in the courtroom. So her attorney has asked for a court reporter, and they've been denied. Now, why wow. would a court deny? your own side a court reporter when both court reporters should be reporting the same thing yes right unless they don't want you to know that they're just adding and changing stuff at will right we have a judge that's been sitting on stuff for 60 days closer to 70 now just refusing to hear anything refusing to hear evidence Uh, a child who's been separated from his mother for over 100 days she's only had three visits in that time and she hasn't even been accused of a crime. She's been accused of maybe, and this is their words, maybe exaggerating medical condition. What? Wow. What? No harm to the child. No proof that he went through any un, uh, unnecessary medical testing. Um, maybe some disagreement between the county. There's disagreement between the county and the mother about what's wrong with him. But even the county is not disputing that he needs medical care. They're still taking him to a neurologist, the same neurologist that she was taking him to. Wow. So it's like, and and this is in every case, I've dealt with several of these cases, and um, I report these stories when I can. And there are far more of them than I could ever report. And unfortunately, only the very few can keep it together psychologically to keep their evidence in order. Right. So it's hard to report on these things because when you're dealing with such trauma to a family that's been ripped apart by the state for no apparent reason, it's very hard. Very, very hard. Um, It is. And then then we've seen several cases, and I don't know if you have maybe a better knowledge or better statistics. And I wanted to look into, um, I heard of a case here in California of where a uh, child was taken from their parents, and uh, she ended up in a worse case where the child was abused. Well, they are six times more likely to be abused in foster care right? uh, uh, than they are at home. Studies repeatedly show that even children who are living in dysfunctional homes with alcohol use and and drug abuse are still better off um, in those homes. Um, Now, I know that sounds crazy. It sounds like, why would you want to leave a child in that? And, And no one really does. But if we were to take the resources that we have given to CPS and offer help to those families in the home, not out of the home, in the right. home, offer the rehab, offer the classes, off, without removing the children, right. perhaps we could actually help some of these people. But right. you rip away these children, and here's what happens to perfectly healthy families. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just heard an interview the other day of a whistleblower. She was a... Um, she worked for a county uh, doing social services work. 
she became an activist for parents because she saw what was going on in the system and they got arrested at, at a protest because they were disrupting whatever she got thrown in jail for a little while while in jail there were women in there who were picked up for drugs a bunch of them mm -hmm. and they asked him they asked her what are you in for and she told them well i've been advocating for these parents against cps she said the whole place they were all cheering because every single one of them had had their children ripped away from them and then right. because of the despair and the anger and the grief that they couldn't get them back they became hooked on drugs their lives are ruined because mm. of the state they weren't on drugs before but they are now they are now yeah because they're trying to kill the pain right. that the state has imposed on people. Right. I'm not denying that there are families out there who need support and help and that could be doing better jobs parenting. But it is not the state's concern. Uh, it, it actually, the Supreme Court has ruled that the state has a, a, a big interest in protecting the privacy of the right of your family to exist. Right. The privacy of the of the child within his family mm -hmm. um, an equal they have an equal responsibility not only to protect children who are being abused but the same responsibility to protect those families right. we're not doing that we're not doing that we're not yeah. doing it at all and in well, fact I mean, it's a... suicide rates in these parents mm -hmm. huge yeah it, it's terrible it's a systematic way to harvest people for their own financial gain uh, it's trafficking yes it's human exactly. trafficking a lot of people get very um upset when i say that and they they go look that's a conspiracy i'm not saying it's sex trafficking see people get right. trafficking mixed up um and i do think there is i know i have evidence that there is some of that going on too but right. on a bigger level this is human trafficking human trafficking does not have to involve sex all it means is moving people from one place to another for money or in exchange for money or in the cases of senior citizens. Oh, my God. They're taking the state is taking custody of senior citizens and then removing their entire estate. And that's going to the instead of going to their families, it's going to the state in the state of Nevada. They've done something like three billion dollars. They've taken $3 billion from, and, and I'm probably off on that number a little, but it's it's a huge number. It's in the billions right. they've taken from senior citizens uh, in their estates. It almost happened to Stan Lee. You should read about what happened to Stan Lee. I mean, wow. he was this close to having, he, he's actually lucky he died because if he hadn't died when he did, I think that the, he would have been taken by the state too. I mean, wow. it, these things are going on. Uh, at an, a rate that is so alarming. There are 450,000 American children in foster care right now. 450,000. Are you hearing that number? Mm -hmm. Are you telling me that none of those children have grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, anybody, older brothers and sisters who mm -hmm. want right. them? They do. And the, and the state is required to give them kinship placements but they don't mm -hmm. do it i have right. grandparents contacting me daily saying the state wouldn't even talk to me they wouldn't even oh, they wouldn't gosh. even entertain the possibility that i could have my grandchildren especially the grandparents of children who they're like let's say their kid with the babies who got taken is a drug addict this has mm -hmm. happened a lot 
So the mother is a drug addict, but the grandmother, who's totally solvent, fine, does not have any problem, has a house, has a thing. She cannot get the children. Right. They put the child in the foster care instead. Right. I, I mean, and I'm assuming what they expect for the grandmother to do now is, of course, hire a lawyer, which, yep. you know, there's money there that will yep. get to a lawyer and in exchange in taxes. Um, there's then the I imagine there is filing fees and court fees. Well, there's more uh, than involved. that. You know how the Declaration of Independence in in the letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote um, to the king one of the major reasons, um, you know, our declaration wasn't because of taxes. I mean, there is there is that, but it's way down on the list. <laughs> Higher up on the list was swarms of officers. You remember that phrase, swarms yes. of officers? There is no better modern example of swarms of officers than CPS and family court. Mm-hmm. Once they get you in, you just mentioned the lawyer, the, you know, the, um, the well, wait, they get you on classes parenting classes that you have to pay for and that money goes to the state because you're required mm-hmm. to take those classes from people who work for the county right. See, and they're getting the money from the federal funds that came from the kid that got taken out of your house Uh-oh. then you have to go to a psychologist but one that they pay and i've got records right, right. here on my desk of one in colorado his name is dr james barofio who i think is a total quack and I'm about, to, and I'm allowed to say it because I think that's what he is. He's getting paid over three hundred and ninety thousand dollars a year by a small dinky county in Douglas, Colorado. Are you telling me that Douglas County, Colorado, has enough money to pay a guy almost five hundred thousand dollars a year for for what? What what is he doing that is so? Right. He is their, their county psychologist, and he works in like ten different counties. I found. Three so far that I've gotten FOIAs back from. The guy makes $35,000 at one, $400,000 at the other. Who knows however many. I haven't gotten the rest of them back. Right. He is being paid that kind of money to, I believe, and I'm, I'm, I don't know this. This is allegedly. This is what uh-huh. I think. I think he's being paid that kind of money to diagnose people falsely and get their kids taken out of the home. And right. he's being paid that that much because the children that he gets out of the homes are generating a giant amount of money. Right. Now, do I think that he thinks like, do I know that he's doing this? Like, does he know that he's doing it? I don't know. Maybe he's so right. puffed up with his own importance that he really thinks that these people are a danger to their children. But he's mm-hmm. diagnosing people with things like narcissistic personality disorder and then taking their kids away. Jeez. And the, the, the county takes the kids away. For narcissistic and, personality disorder, doesn't every politician that we've ever had have that disorder? Right. And they're allowed to have kids. <laughs> but if you're yeah, just and it's funny, Joe just, Sixpack and you right. get diagnosed by some quack doctor with narcissistic personality, you can't have your kids. Right. You know, and it's, this is every, prima, I mean, it is, every single state has the same exact issue Every single state makes billions of dollars off of, you know, taking away children. Industry. It's a it's an industry. And again, it's, it's a just, billion it's, dollar industry. It's and harvesting it's not, people. They're sending them to child abuse classes. They're sending them to um, anger management. And like I said, all these people are paid by the county. And where does that money come to pay for them, for the therapist? And then the worst part is, in Cindy's case in Colorado, so we know that the state has given up this. They've released the funds now for for her son's removal. They're paying the state something a lot 
five, six, seven thousand dollars. He's disabled, so they're probably he's probably getting more. Right. At the same time, the foster parents are now suing her for for child support. Oh my goodness. Child support. So not only does she have to pay a private attorney because her court appointed attorney was totally useless. Right. Totally useless. Done purposely. Oh, of course. Of course. They're all on the same team. I mean, I've only talked to one person in this entire one person who had a court appointed attorney who turned out to be Superman, like literally turned out to be to save the day. One person. So I'm not going to say it never happens, but it's very rare that you will find a court appointed attorney uh, who was any good. I happen to know one in my state, in my in my county, who's actually a wonderful woman who does those types of cases. But it's very rare. So now not only is Cindy paying for a private attorney, which is huge money, okay? I think I saw her attorney agreement. It was like, sign on the dotted line. This is going to eventually cost you $20,000. But of course, at that point, you just sign it because you're like, whatever. You want want to hit back. Take my car. Take my whatever. And, And I'm telling you, anybody who's been contacted by CPS, it is worth it to sell everything you own to get a good attorney, Spe- right. get ten thousand dollars if you. But have doesn't to- that then put you in destitute, and then you're back in the same problem? It's true. So, but like, it's here's the thing: if you hit them hard and fast with a good attorney, you are more likely to get out of it. Right. Okay, if you stick with that court-appointed attorney, forget about it. It happened to my own sister. Wow. It happened to my sister. The school, um, and I mean, she comes from a. Um, you know, she comes from a good background. She has no drug issues, no uh, nothing. And she's a college right. graduate. Her husband has several master's degrees um, and works at the school where this happened. Um, he's a teacher. And uh, the school was fighting with my sister about an IEP. They didn't want to give her child who has disabilities an IEP. They didn't want to spend the money. So in order to get the parent off of your back, you call CPS and you allege a crime. Oh, my goodness. And that's what happened. And they did the same thing to her. They're doing to Cindy. They are alleging Munchausen syndrome by proxy. My niece is actually disabled. She has a lot of problems. Um, uh, and, but my sister has all the records. You know, she's been going to doctors forever. Right. Um, so CPS in that case, and that was in Arizona, she's lucky she got a CPS agent who was uh, honest, who took a look at the case and went, this doesn't look right. Something's wrong. The school's doing something strange here. You know, and, and also my sister was able to get a, a big attorney real quick because, you know, we have a generous father, you know? Right. And, and so it's, it's a good thing that I had, to, we had somebody with money to pay an attorney. Mm-hmm. If you don't have money in this country, you're screwed right. in the legal system. You are screwed. And I hate to say that, but it is what it is. She got out of it because she got a, a high powered attorney and B she got a, a CPS agent who wasn't a crook. Mm-hmm. But wow. the, the the fact that that does not line up for most people because that that's like a rarity. Right. Um, and this same story that happened to her is what has happened to is what happened to Cindy in Colorado. Right. It all started because she was trying to get an IEP at the school for her wow. disabled son. And they did the same thing. They didn't want to pay it. She's got a record of them saying they didn't want to do it. She's got an attorney that she hired who says, okay, well, you've said you didn't want to do this. So, uh, Miss Absug is going to pull her son out of school and homeschool him so that she can follow the doctor's orders. Wow. And that's what started it all. They don't want to pay for the IEP, but they don't want to lose the student and the federal right. funds to go with them. No. Guess what? And, 
guess what? He's back in public school now. Wow. They got exactly what they wanted. Jeez. Which was to get him back in school through the foster system. Oh, it's all God. money to them. It's dollar yeah, signs. It is. It's dollar signs. And, you know, and it's just people, you know, and this is the libertarian coming out of me, I guess, you know, and people keep continuing to somehow trust that government is out for our best interests. Why do people right? do this? And Why do people do this? They have example after example that the government is out to destroy you. Like it, it's out to kill you. Like it's not trying to help you in any right. way. They just want your money and your obedience. And yep. they want those two things most of all. And schools, by the way, you know, are set up to teach children to obey. Yeah. I mean, and that's why they hate oh, homeschoolers so Exactly. It's all about you obedience. Know, I listened to this really amazing podcast a little while ago of this mother who um, was trying to homeschool. Uh, she developed this amazing curriculum. Her, she started with her, her oldest, and this kid became super smart. He was in college by the age of 16. And so with her second child, she wanted to continue this because she did so well with her first child. And, and the same thing. The school asked her to come that, hey, you need to have your kid go to public school. Like this is better for his no social way. skills. It's better for, you know, his psyche. Uh, he'll get better. And she was like, no, I'm fine. I went well for my older son. I will do it with my younger son. And they, same thing. They called CPS on her. Uh, luckily, you know, the same thing. She, you know, had money. So she was able to fight it and win the case. But I mean, it goes back to that. The government thinks that they can just go in and bully people. You know, imagine yeah. if AT&T did that. Imagine <laughs> if AT&T came to you and was like, yeah, right. you have to use my service. If not, I'm going to go into your home with guns drawn and, right. you know, you will sign. You will service. sign this contract. Well, that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up because it's actually a good comparison, AT&T, because they're a for-profit business. Right. I'm, starting to understand that I think CPS is the same thing. And they're always wanting the parents sign this contract, sign this contract, sign this contract. Every time they come to you, your house, they want you to sign something. For God's sake, people, don't sign a damn thing. Please call a lawyer immediately. Say, okay, I'll take your paper. No problem. I'm going to have my lawyer look at this. And okay. if, if my lawyer suggests I sign this, I'll make sure I get it back to you. Okay, bye-bye now. Um, <laughs> because most of the time what happens is you sign a piece of paper that actually gets your consent to do what they're doing to you. Right. Cindy's case, she didn't consent. She didn't sign anything. She refused. So they are now at a point where they're really in trouble because she has never consented to any of this. And right. they have never presented any evidence to any court that she's done anything wrong. So they right. are starting have good news about that case. She had a hearing yesterday. And um, they are starting to deal now. They want to deal because right, her right. attorney has finally got them. You know, it's just yeah, like, yeah. what do you have? Put up or shut up. Exactly. And so they are now starting to deal. And it's starting to sound like they're going to come to an agreement. I think the agreement is going to be that they will uh, agree to an outside psychiatrist and not someone paid by the county. 
Mm-hmm. They will both they will both parties will agree to this psychiatrist. It must be someone with an, a specialty in Munchausen syndrome by proxy. The and the that evaluator will get all the evidence on both sides. They'll get her evidence, wow. they'll get their evidence, and they will have to talk to all the children. She has four, two of them are grown. Right. And do an evaluation. And if she doesn't come, if she comes up clean, then they have to return the kid so far. And if she doesn't, they said, if she doesn't, then we'll sign the contract and do the thing with you and go through the parenting classes and all the crap. Um, And and I think they're going to agree to it. They said they would. We'll see. It's not in writing yet. So I don't want to jinx it. But um, they should not be able to do this to people. No, No, there are studies that are done that show that the the minds of children, you know, their brains are not developed and the minds of children are very, very, um, they, they're developing for 25 years. Your brain right. doesn't finish developing until you're 25. Well, they've shown through studies that children who are removed from their parents, their brains actually change. They get brain damage, brain yeah. damage from being separated from their parents. They get separation disorders and they mm-hmm. get all kinds of different anxieties and, and other disorders. This is something that should never be done unless exigent circumstances exist. And that means that the child's life is in imminent danger. They claimed this about Cindy's son. They said he was in imminent danger and never gave any reason, any evidence to the court about it. And the court stamped it yes. And I mean, and the courts, you know, and the government in general use that term so loosely, imminent danger, you know? They want to play this whole like the psychological game you know oh this is psychologically dangerous for the child and then they end up doing more harm by separating the 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 child from the the parents uh so really they're the ones causing the imminent danger at that point yes uh exactly they're the ones causing the danger and it's just again it goes back to you know it's that full circle right like you would not expect any corporation to do this to you you know that would be nuts but we allow the government to and and again we you know so many people just want to give the government so much more power and you know just sure you can take away my fourth amendment right for me tsa it's a perfect example of violation of fourth amendment you know and and a lot of people are like well you know james you know the terrorists are gonna get on the plane a lot of safety and like if you're willing to give up your freedom for safety you don't deserve either one and i think i think that uh i I mean really benjamin franklin (laughs) said that and i i i agree wholeheartedly i think we have come to a point in this country where americans are just not american anymore no. And and I went to Philadelphia on the seventh grade field trip last year with my daughter, and it was it was wonderful and depressing at the same time, because I felt like through all the things we went we watched these movies and you know museums on the Constitution and all this, it was always with the swelling music and the you know they try and get your emotions that way and I, all I could think was as I was sitting there watching this, I'm watching a movie about a country that doesn't exist anymore. Right. None of these rights, the Bill of Rights that you're showing me right now, none of them exist. Not my freedom of religion, because in New York and California and four other states, they just decided to repeal the religious exemption for people who are against vaccines. I don't, so I don't have my religious exemption anymore for that. 
And right. and my children are being forced to get them. If if I want to send them to school, they have to be forced to get whatever the big pharmaceutical companies say they have to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with total disregard to anyone's feelings about aborted fetal tissue and and pork products and whatever else is in there. Right. Muslims are not happy with it. Jews are not happy with it. This idea that there are no religions that disagree with vaccines is outrageous because mm-hmm. there are. The right. Amish, the Orthodox, the Muslims, some Christians, you know, it, it, there, there are. So we've lost that one. This, and no one cares. Everyone's like, what, what, you're an idiot. Just get your kids vaccinated. Well, you know what? I may have that opinion that I think that vaccination is okay. And right. you may not. It's not, it doesn't impact my freedom if you exercise yours. It actually right. protects my freedom when exactly. you exercise yours. It, it, you lose it if you don't exercise it. So I'm grateful for the Amish and I'm grateful for the Jews who stand up and say, no, I don't want that. The state doesn't have right. a right to put that in my arm. No, I, I'm, I'm grateful for them. Mm-hmm. If your kids are vaccinated, you don't have anything to worry about. They're not going to get right. the thing that you're worried about. So just- that's, and that's like I know. And that's like so crazy to me, like how like these people that are trying to force vaccination onto everybody like they're so worried. Oh, well, my child and my child. I was like, you do realize your child is not affected by somebody that's not vaccinated, right? No, they're not. Like, so in, in why York, does they it matter? They claim herd immunity, herd immunity. New York has a 97% vaccination rate. That's beyond herd immunity. So right. we are perfectly fine. The idea that they're running around going to jab now all the Amish, I'm, I'm petrified for these people. I, right. I, it's not right. It's not right. And they're, there are so few people. forcing something into somebody's body that yeah. they don't necessarily What happened want. to my body, my choice? Right. I, I, we are not at a crisis. There is no measles crisis. When they were claiming there was a measles crisis in New York, and I called the health department, so I know because I got the guy to admit it on the right. phone to me, and I wrote about it. There were only four active cases in Rockland County. Oh, my gosh. That's just like such a crisis. Such a crisis. How many people are in New York State? Like... 12 million. I don't know. I don't know what the population is, but it's, it's got to be a lot. How many of them died from it? Uh, zero. That would yeah. be none. So, none. I mean, none the died. Is, is nothing. What it's, kind of an outbreak? What kind of emergency is no one dying from? You know, kids are dying from drowning in swimming pools every damn day in the summer. I mean, it's the number one cause of death in children. You want to save children? Outlaw swimming. Like that. <laughs> right. Take away swimming. I mean, but this idea that you want to, not that I'm advocating that, I would never advocate for that, but I'm just saying, (laughs) it doesn't make any sense. You want to stop children from dying? Outlaw driving. How many, half a million people die a year in in car accidents? I know, right? Yeah, and I use that, I use that same example for uh, the whole gun control thing, right? Because I was like, it makes, you you're going to outlaw guns for the public, take away our rights to defend ourselves from you know, the people that you are allowing to have guns, which is the government, which are the people that, you know, come and take away your kids and take away your, you know, everything else, your money. You want them to have guns, but you don't want me to have a gun to defend myself from those people. So, and they're like, well, James, you know, guns are killing people. I was like, no, people are killing people. Okay. People will kill people regardless, no matter what. People with rocks. With with rocks, with cars. with cars. So what, we're going to illegal, you know. Well, James, we need to start somewhere. Well, 
Uh, uh, well, start with the rocks. You first. You first. Yeah. <laughs> start with rocks. Well, you know, you more know, people but, died. Get this. More people died from pencil accidents, accidents with pencils, than died from the measles in this recent outbreak. Better outlaw. But but thing. it's but it's an it's an emergency that requires repealing the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution in New York. And here's the worst part. People like me don't care. I mean, I care. But I'm saying suburban people, you know, who vaccinate their kids and they do all the things that everybody, you know, they they don't care. They're not scared. They don't see, they don't look at this, at what's happening to these Amish people and the small groups of people. And they don't go, oh, my God. You know, what? What is wrong with people who are like, well, it doesn't affect me because, you know, I don't, I'm, I vaccinate my kids, so I don't care. It's like, wait a minute. It's going to be you next. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but it's coming for you next because if they can jab a needle in somebody's arm that doesn't want it, there is no limit to what they can do to you. None. And what's going to be next? Like a chip in your arm? Like you must have it. Yes. I've you seen know? it on ABC News. They want everybody chipped. Well, what if you don't want it? Well, too bad. Because you didn't stand up for the people who didn't want the vaccine. So exactly. why the hell should anybody listen to you? Just exactly. just submit your arm for the chip. Just do it. Because you know what? You didn't care that 26,000 people in New York just got their First Amendment right taken away. So I have no mm-hmm. concern for you and your concerns. I mean, this is it's causing division among people, too. Because I feel a genuine... I'm not going to say hatred, but I'm going to say a deep dislike. Right. People who refuse to stand up to say what you are doing to my neighbor is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes back, like, just like I said, like with the TSA. I mean, it's just such an invasive, <laughs> you know, violation of your person. Like when they put you through that scanner. And for the, me, the I'm always such a. I know, right? I never go like, through it. I've, I've never been in really, it. You've always. Uh-uh. I, I, every time. I make and them. I don't, I make them put me through the normal one and I'll oh, wait really? as long as I have to. I don't care. I'm like, See, I'm that's my there. problem. So I'm always such in a hurry. Cause I heard you can, you know, refuse it and just, you'll have to wait longer. I seen it several times. I saw uh, a uh, Navy sailor in his uniform refused to go through it and they made him go and wait. And it's like, this is a, an, uh, a person. You know, he's in the military. He's serving our country, and oh my God. No, I know. But luckily, because I travel with children, they generally direct families with children to the normal one. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they're protecting the children from the radiation, or I don't know. But generally, I get directed to that place. I've only had to say no like two times, and they they decide they don't want the argument, so I just... I just go over to the other line and I try to strategically place myself so that I'm, right. I'm like, which line is going to the bad one? And then I go the other <laughs> way. <laughs> but I mean, I'll have is, to try it one day. I, it's a total yeah. The other thing is you don't know when you're going to get wanded or, um, you know, patted down. And here you've spent all this time talking to your children about good touch, bad touch. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I have to say to my child, but if we're at the airport and they, the weirdo with the wand wants to touch you in the places I told you you shouldn't be touched in, you have to stand there and let them. How or confusing is that? I saw a case like that. And it was, it was at the airport. Yeah, it was at the airport where the mom was just at tears because this guy was touching 
her daughter. Ugh. You know, and it's just so disgusting. Like I would, as a what father, you know, I would lose. I know I would yeah. lose it too. What about sexual abuse survivors? You know, how are they supposed to get through that? Right. I've been through it myself and it ain't fun. They made me take off my sweatshirt once and I was literally not wearing anything underneath except a bra in the Baltimore, Washington airport. If anybody saw a girl standing in a bra a couple years ago at TSA, that was me. I was wearing, she goes, that sweatshirt is too bulky. You have to take it off. And I'm like, I'm not wearing another shirt. She goes, well, I can take you into a private room. And my mother was like, no. Wow. <laughs> mother was like, just take off the shirt. Just take off the shirt. I'm like, fine. I'm taking off the wow. shirt. And everyone in line is looking at me like, and, and luckily, they, they all knew what was going on. Everyone was kind of like turned away like, oh, this is this is bad, you know? And I just stood there. And then, and then the idiot TSA woman, she's looking at me like, now she's embarrassed, and it's like, well, I told you. Right. But, but hey, it's for your security. All right. <laughs> Just remember, it's for your security. <laughs> Nuts. So let's talk a little bit about your book really quick. I just want to go over because something that I've read uh, from a lot of reviewers is that they felt like, you know, this is a great parenting tool, especially with mothers with sons. Uh, also for daughters, but I noticed that mainly mentioned for their sons. If you would sell this to a mom with uh, with a son, how would you sell this book to them? Yeah, uh, it's a really scary world out there for your sons, ladies. And I have a son myself, um, and he is, he's only five. And I, I'm scared for his future in this type of uh in this type of no due process world for men, you know. And 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 so I, I really did. I felt like. Um, I had to include in this book rules, you know, for your boys when they go off to college or even in high school. I have talked to parents. I've interviewed parents who uh, their child, their boy was saved from a sexual harassment complaint because he was smart enough to record things on his phone. So I want to encourage you, um, you know, there's a lot of very helpful tips in here about what you can proactively actually do to stop this from happening to your child. And if you look at Brett Kavanaugh, one of the things you can do is keep a detailed calendar because (laughs) his calendar is like, well, he knew where he was at every moment of every day for his entire life. He like used it like a journal. What a great idea. You know, that that's one really good idea, but there's a lot of other ones. I mean, and some of them may seem like jokes, because I do recommend, and I'm not joking when I say this, it just happens to be funny, but I do recommend that if, um, I recommend, first of all, that if you are um, going to college, that you make a pledge to yourself to not have sex with a woman who's not your wife, because that can put you in major danger. But if you choose to do it, if you choose to do that anyway, um, which is not recommended, but if you choose to, make sure you have consent consent forms, (laughs) like legal Documents, legal documents. And not only documents, I actually think we need to go beyond the legal document and go to videotapes, like a videotape mm-hmm. confession, you know? And I think that it, everybody's got a recording device that they're carrying around with them at all right. times. And I think you need to make it very clear to your date um, that we are going, that if we're going to do, if we're going to be alone, I need your, your consent that we're going to be alone and what you consent to do while we're mm-hmm. alone. And, and perhaps even after the event, another recording 
that says, here's what we did. I consented and I was happy. And that's that. I mean, this is how, this is how absurd we have gotten. I mean, it is, but I, I also recommend, I, I really recommend just, just save, save it for marriage, save it for the girl, the right one. And in the meantime, if you're dating, um, make sure you're double dating. Make sure there's right. witnesses. Don't be alone with a woman who's not your wife. I wish I would have taken a lot of those tips. I mean, I've never had uh, those kind of issues, but still, like, it would have saved me so much pain in right? other ways as well. I mean, you know, I'm and I'm. It's funny because everyone's like, you know, what were you like in college? I was a mess. I was a right. mess in college. Like, I I did not follow my own rules. No, of course not, because you gain wisdom with age. Right. You know, you, you gain the wisdom as you live. And so, of course, people are going to make mistakes. And, of course, it, you know, you're not going to be perfect. Um, but, my God, if I could save my younger self from some of the, like you were saying, from some of the right. heartache, I wish it could have, you know. Mm-hmm. So this book has yeah. a lot of that. It has a lot of philosophy in it about why uh, these rules are good for you and why um, and how it can protect you. Thank you so much for for being on this podcast. And your book is something I think. You know, from what I from what I can tell right now, I really think that boys need to be a little bit more. You know, I think about my son, and I just like I want to just wire him up with you know. Yes, I think maybe all children, I think maybe a GoPro would be a good idea. Yeah, like yeah, all the time. A GoPro on him all the time. <laughs> like you know? a GoPro. Yes. Go to Amazon, uh, search for "Believe Evidence: The Death of Due Process" from Salome to Me Too. And purchase this book. I think, you know, even if you maybe not agree at first, what could it hurt to just read it and then, you know, go from there? That's what I I love feedback and I love honest feedback. So even if you don't like it and you want to leave a bad review, I'm really cool with it if you read it. Like, I'm fine with it if you read it. It's the non-verified purchase reviews that are like, this book is trash. It's like, you didn't read it. So I really am okay. And I love reviews. I love hearing from readers. And I'm actually really approachable. And you can talk to me and I'll talk back and I'll email you. Or um, you can find me on Twitter at Megan Fox Writer. And I will... I will engage my readers always. So I know I like I was surprised when I like engaged you and you're like, yeah, let's let's do it. I was like, so anybody. I, I think it's great. I think more conversation is what we need, not less. So, you know, keep talking to one so another. There you can go. So Megan Fox, look her up on Twitter. Look her up on Amazon. Thanks again. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me.